Section 103 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 10, England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section number 103, The Irish People, 20th Century, by Catherine Tynan i must warn you before proceeding to write about the irish people that i have tried to explain them according to my capacity a thousand times to my english friends and neighbours and have been pulled up short as many times by the reflection that all i have been saying was contradicted by some other aspect of my country people for we are an eternally contradictory people and none of us can prognosticate exactly what we shall feel what do under given circumstances whereas the englishman is simple he has no mysteries once you know him you can pretty well tell what he will say what feel and do under given circumstances you have a formula for him you have no formula for the irish the englishman is simple the irish complex the anglo-irish who stand to most english people for the irish have been grafted on to them the complexity of the irish without their pliability it makes perhaps the most puzzling of all mixtures and it may be the chief difficulty in a proper estimate of the irish character they will tell you in ireland that you have to go some forty or fifty miles from dublin before you get into irish ireland there are many good irish in anglo-ireland usually in the humbler walks of life whence you shall find in dublin servants car drivers policemen newspaper boys and so on the raciness, the vivacity, the charm which in Irish Ireland is a perpetual delight. Dublin drawing-rooms are not vivacious, nor are the manners gracious, although the forecourts still produce a galaxy of wit, and Dublin citizens buttonhole each other with good stories all along the streets, roaring with laughter in a way that would be regarded as bedlam in Fleet Street. Get into Irish Ireland, and the manners have a graciousness which is like a blessing. I asked the way in Ballyshannon town once. The woman who directed me came out into the street and a little way with me, and when she left me, calling to me sweetly, come back soon to Donegal, which left a sense of blessing with me all that day. There was a certain curly-haired Woolly who drove the long car from Donegal to Killybegs. I can see Woolly yet, helping the women on and off the car with their myriad packages, can see the delightful grief with which he parted from us, his shiny face of welcome when he met us again a fortnight later to set against woolly were the car drivers who certainly are unpleasant if the whip money does not come up to their expectations we say of such that they are spoilt by the tourists yet i remember some who were not spoiled by the tourists although they were perpetually in touch with them boatmen and pony boys at killarney and a certain delightful guide whose winning gaiety was not at all merely professional thinking over my country people i say they are so-and-so and then i have a misgiving and i say but after all they are not so-and-so they are the most generous people in the world they enjoy to the fullest the delight of giving and what a good delight that is i pity the ungiving people you will receive more gifts in ireland in a twelvemonth than in a lifetime out of it the first instinct of irish liking or loving is to give you something the giving instinct runs through all classes 
if you sit down in a cabin and see an old piece of lustreware or something else of the sort do not admire it unless you mean to accept it for it will be offered to you not in the spanish way which does not expect acceptance but in the irish way which does i have many little bits of china given so usually the one thing of any consideration or value the donor possessed i once sought to buy an old china dish much flawed and cracked by hot ovens in a dublin hotel as much to save it from following its fellows to destruction as for any other reason the owner would not sell the dish but he offered it for my acceptance in such a way that i could not refuse when i go back to my old home the cottagers bring a few new laid eggs or a griddle cake for my acceptance i have a friend in an irish village whose income from an official source is ten pounds a year she has a cottage a few hens and enough grass for a cow when she can get one her gifts come at christmas at easter on st patrick's day and on some special private feasts of my own eggs sweets flowers a bit of lace or a fine embroidered handkerchief and in times of illness a pair of chickens that is royal giving out of so little and i assure you that it blesses the giver as well as the recipient on the other hand the farmers grow thriftier and thriftier sir horace plunkett and men like him truly patriotic irishmen are showing them the way successive land acts lift them more and more into a position of security from one of precariousness they have more money now to put in the savings banks their prosperity does not mean a higher standard of living although that is badly needed it means more money in the banks that is all the irish are very like the french if the day should come when they should learn like the french to be thrifty and usurious i hope i shall not be there to see it better a thousand times better that they should remain royal wastrels to the end and yet we need not fear it still if you ask a drink of water at a mountain cabin in the poorest parts of ireland you are given milk and do not offer to pay for it lest you sink to the lowest place in the estimation of these splendid givers the hospitality is truly splendid there is a saying in ireland that they always put an extra bit in the pot for the man coming over the hill it is an unheard-of thing that you should call at an irish house and not be asked if you have a mouth on you if your visit be within anything like measurable distance of meal-time you will be obliged to stay for the meal in england when people are poor or comparatively so or feel the need of retrenchment they do not entertain it is almost the first form of retrenchment which suggests itself to the englishman whereas to curtail his hospitalities would be the last form of retrenchment to an irishman and you will be entertained generously and lavishly by people you know to be poor the englishman's different way of looking at the matter is no doubt partly due to the fact that he is a much more domestic person than the irishman and depends mainly on his family life for his happiness and pleasure now the french do not give hospitality at all outside the large family circle so that in that regard at least the irish will have a long way to travel before they touch with the french i have said that the irish are not domestic they are gregarious but not domestic the irishman depends a great deal on neighbours he has no such way of enclosing himself in a little fortified place of home against all the ills of the world as has the englishman irish mothers like irish nurses are often tenderly exquisitely soft and warm but the young ones will fly out of the nest for all that perhaps the art of making the home pleasant is not an irish art 
perhaps it is the gregariousness general and not particular at least general in the sense of embracing the parish and not the family to the young irish and a good many of their elders the home is dull they go off to america leaving the old people to loneliness because there is no amusement they do not make their own interests as the slower less vivacious nations do the rainy irish climate seems made for a people who would find their pleasures indoors but the irish will be out and about telling good stories and hearing them they are an artistic people with great traditions yet books or music or conversation will not keep them at home if they cannot have the neighbors in they will go out to the neighbors they are very religious and accept the invisible world with a thoroughness and simplicity of belief which they would say themselves is their most precious inheritance the celt is no materialist he does not love success or riches most of those whom he holds in esteem have been neither successful nor rich money is not the passport to his affections he ought never to go away and alas he goes away in thousands contact with a selfish money-getting materialism has power to destroy the spiritual qualities of the celt once he is outside ireland when he comes back a prosperous irish american he is no longer the celt we loved and he does come back that is one of his contradictions the home he had left behind because of its dullness the arid patch of mountain land the graves of his people call him back again at the moment when one would have said every bond with them was loosened End of section 103. This recording is in the public domain.